This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to the fourth and final part of the post-draft Mega Mailbag. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. I am joined again by the owner, the operator, the lead reporter, the whole shebang over at JetsInsider.com. And of course, above all of that, a very big deal, Mr. Chris Nimbley and Twitter legend, Pauly Brzez. So let's jump right back into the mailbag. First question comes in from MOAM. He says, why does Mac not like drafting skill position players for Darnold? Well, the funny thing is, we just talked about how they were trying to get Miko Hardman, so I guess he does want to get some skill position players for Darnold. On the surface, it is a little weird that they didn't use a higher pick on a skill position player, but Chris, as we talked about, let's be honest, the strength of the top of this draft was completely on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of the value not lining up. I'd have to go back and you know look through the drafts the last couple of years, but this year the value just didn't add up there. Obviously, if they were going after Miko Hardman, that lets you know they were looking at it there. It is weird, but again, they only had six picks going into the draft. I know they picked up the, the other one, but they didn't have a lot to work with there. So they were limited, and the value just didn't really add up. It's the same type of thing we're talking about with the center position here. Yeah, it, it's just they didn't have enough picks to do what they wanted to do. And, I mean, even if they traded up for Hardman, then we're looking at maybe them only having, what, maybe four picks in the draft, depending on what they did. So, you know, it it, it sucks they didn't land a player like Nicole Hardman, but I'm also happy we have a player like Polite. So it, it's hard it's hard to think of what they were going to do without knowing what was going to be given up because they might have been even trading picks for next year too. So, you know, you got to see, you got to take it as it is. Would I like to have had them? Absolutely. Do I understand why maybe they didn't go up? It all depends on what that cost was. I think if the Jets would have gotten Akeem Butler in the third round and you're telling me that they got Chakai Polite and Akeem Butler over Michael Hardman and on top of it they would have had to give up next year picks, then it's no question in my mind. Hardman is an electrifying player. Certainly would have been, like you said, a perfect fit in the Gase offense, but I just don't think that what it would have cost would have been worth it. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress, and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. 
Next question comes in from Eddie Reckis. He says, what do you think of the horrible injury surgery history of the linebacker and cornerback they picked in the fifth and sixth round? Also, the USC guy was taken off a lot of draft boards for supposed drug test failure and bad attitude. So let's start with the injury histories. I don't like it. I just don't like the pattern of drafting older players with limited ceilings and multiple surgeries. It's never a good look. I know that the cornerback from Rutgers actually has a lot of talent. We talked about that last night, and my friend Jason Love knew quite a bit about him because he covered Rutgers, and he interviewed him a couple of years ago. So we know that he's got ability, he's got size, but he's played five games in the last two years. He probably would have been an undrafted free agent. Would have made sense to sign him then because he is a hometown kid, but I just don't know about using a six-round pick on him. And the same thing really with Cashman. I know that he's a good player, and I know that he doesn't miss a lot of tackles, and he's a solid contributor on special teams most likely. But that whole pattern of drafting these older guys with limited ceilings and multiple injuries is just not a productive pattern to follow as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, again, I'm going to wait to give uh, my definitive uh, judgment on those players until I have a chance to go and look at whatever tape. I, obviously, there's not going to be a lot of tape for me to look at with Bless on, but I'm going to withhold my judgment until I actually have a chance to go ahead and do that, but I'm with you. I, I don't like that strategy of going with older guys with injury histories, and then you have to develop them too and try to coach them up and do different things there. I don't like that at all. When as far as the stuff with Shumadoga, again, everything I've heard about him is just really people question his love of football. And I'm again, I'm I'm, I'm certainly not going to sit here and say he's going to be this type of caliber player. But Curtis Martin famously didn't love football either. So there's there's plenty of people around in this league who don't love football, but you know what they do love? They love money. And they're not going to have any other opportunity <laughs> to make the amount of money that they could possibly make with the NFL. And as far as the flunk drug test, I'm sorry, you're not going to get get me to care at all about a college kid smoking some weed. It's not going to, you're not going to do that. If it's going to develop into a Josh Gordon-like problem, and obviously he has those go beyond just weed. It was just, you know, the cough syrup stuff, alcohol, DUI stuff with him as well. You're not going to get me to sit there and really question or knock a college kid for smoking some weed. It's just not going to happen. You just got to sit him down, wise him up, make sure to listen, you, you can't afford to do this now because this costs you a whole bunch of money. But I'm not I'm not going to do it. I should talk a little bit about Adoga too because I forgot to address that. I would say that the value of where they got him is about right. He might yeah. not have been my pick. I probably would have taken Butler, but I was fine with Adoga, and I think he has a chance to be a starting tackle if he's developed properly. I think he could start in 2020. I don't really care that much about a failed weed test. Like you said, Chris, it doesn't bother me that much. And as far as him not, quote-unquote, loving football, that's something that they would have had to assess, and if they're comfortable with his love of football or non-love of football, that's something that only they would know. I don't have the level of knowledge to really judge it, and I will say that, as you said, Curtis Martin didn't really love football, and there are several other guys that were excellent football players that didn't love it. It's just a matter of how good you are at it, and like you said, he may not love football, but he certainly loves money, so he'd be motivated by that. What do you think, Pauly? Well, I, I agree. Um, you know, Let me go back to the 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 trend of drafting injured older players um it needs to stop 
Um, again, like I mentioned before, I mean, you, Jeremy Clark still hasn't done anything for this team. Um, you've got, they took um, Blesson, who's coming off the injury. I mean, even Derek Jones, who's been healthy, he was a project, and he still hasn't touched the field for the Jets. So they're, while they're trying to develop guys, the best reps is to get on the field. And if they're not available, they can't play and get these in-game reps. Um, as far as Adoga goes, um, I think, like I said, like you guys said, I don't care about failed drug tests, um, especially for weed. I mean, come on now, it's 2019. Um, and as regard as love of the game, I get that and stuff. But I think that, I mean, I guess it's easy to assume that maybe Darnold was talked to in regards to Adoga too. And we're going to assume maybe he, you know, gave his blessing on it. Um, you just think that, you know, he would have some in, insight on a guy who was blocking for him. And, and you would think that conversations happened between McCagnan and Darnold, even if it was something five, ten minutes, you know, just to kind of get a guess on how this guy is. Um, I probably would have gone with Akeem Butler at that spot, too. Uh, but I think if he didn't have these question marks with him, you know, he might have been a late, a late two or where he was selected in round three anyways. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next question comes in from Jets Joe 73 And, Paulie, I'm going to need your counsel on this. Leading up to the draft, as you know, me and Joe Blewett and Michael Nanny were really driving the Quinn and Williams train. Jets Joe 73 is a huge Quinn and Williams guy, wanted him desperately like we did. And he said if the Jets drafted Quinn and Williams, he was going to buy us all jerseys. And now he wants to come through on that promise. So his question is, Scott, what color and size do you want for your jersey? So wow. as far as size, I'm a large. But I want to get Paulie's take on this and Chris yours as well. First of all, I have to say... Joe, this is completely unnecessary, and if you don't want to do this, it's fine. I'm not going to hold it against you. And Joe, I'm kind of conflicted on this because I feel kind of guilty having you do this, but at the same time, it would be an awesome jersey to wear when I go to MetLife for the eight home games. So if I were to take you up on this, I know that I'm a large, but as far as color, that's really more Polly's domain. So what do you think, Polly? Well, I've gotten my white one in so far, and it is beautiful. Uh, I'm still waiting for the stealth black as well as the Gotham green. I would say go with the Gotham green, but if Scott doesn't want to accept the jersey, I'll gladly accept it because the Jets, <laughs> the Jets never sent me mine, but my other two jerseys are on their way. But, uh, you know, I will say this. Um, I will suggest if, if the jerseys are – the previous jerseys, I don't know which ones you have, Scott, but if they are a little tight on you, I would advise going up to an extra large because uh, I'm typically a large, but I get an extra large just so I can breathe. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, if, if people are giving out jerseys, by all means, um, I will take a Gotham green in whatever number Quinn and Williams is. Hashtag send Pauly a jersey. The actual Jets, they should send Pauly a jersey for all his hard work demanding these new jerseys. Chris, what do you think as an unbiased observer? I will say this. He 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 asked this after the draft. If he had, if he had just stuck with it before the draft, 
then I could see you not wanting to take him up on this offer. But he offered it again after the draft. So I I, I don't know who this guy. I don't know him, but I, I could feel like if you not accepting, it could be more insulting than anything else. So, you know, I'd probably, it depends. I'd probably go with the black because I, I tend to like the black, but the, the green ones are really fresh. I'd, I'd probably stay away from the white, though. Uh, just I, I like to go with more of the color jerseys for, for most of them. That's what I always used to rock when I actually rock jerseys. So I don't anymore, but I'd probably go with either the green or the black. But, again, he, he made this offer again after the pick was made. So I, I, I think he wants to offer it up to you. I will say this in regards to what Chris said about the white jersey. Um, I usually don't wear white jerseys, but I wanted one in each color, and I was petrified all draft night. I, I had to take it off when I eat. So, yeah, I would say go with the black or the green because now thinking about it, I was petrified literally just sitting in my basement. Hey, guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next question comes in from your deputy editor, Chris, and also somebody who's familiar to turn on the Jets digital because he's helped me so much as a producer play like a Jet, Alan Schechter. He says, this one is for Scott. Scott, after the pick of Quinn and Williams to the Jets was announced, were you A, crying, B, doing a dance of happiness, or C, a combination of both? I told this story on the podcast right after the selection was made when Chris and I did the recap but I was talking to Joe Blewett at the time because he was up at Niagara Falls and he couldn't get 4G on his phone and he was stuck walking a mile and a half back with his brand new fiance. By the way, again, congratulations to them on their engagement. And he's calling me, telling me, I can't find out what's going on with the draft. I've got a mile and a half walk. You got to talk me through this. And then when the screen said the pick is in, we realized the Jets were going to make the pick and they weren't going to trade it. We were all excited. And I put the phone up to the screen so Joe could hear it. And they announced Quentin Williams. And you could hear Joe screaming. And you could hear me screaming at the top of my lungs. As I told you, Chris, I'm pretty sure that my neighbors called the police because they thought something really bad was going on here. And they will probably all avoid me for the rest of the time that I live here. But I was incredibly happy. I was so glad that the Jets didn't mess this up by trading down, that they stuck it number three and took an A-plus prospect. And as we said, Chris, and I know Paulie isn't down on the pick, but he's not super excited about it. For those that aren't in on the Quinn and Williams pick now, you will be soon. Yeah, absolutely. I, again, I pictured you just like that kid that had the cops called him on Cleveland. And <laughs> out. Now that kid went out and started running up and down the streets and then the, the the cop came and he was just like, we got Odell, and the cop just went on. So I, I would have imagined that a similar situation would have played out. Paulie, you texted me and said, I can't believe you haven't texted me because I didn't text you after that. It was because I knew you didn't really want Quinn and Williams and I didn't want you to think I was rubbing it in. You know I'm not that kind of guy. <laughs> no, well, like I said, I mean, I don't hate the pick. I told you what would happen. I said when they picked him, I wouldn't have a reaction, which is exactly what happened. I'm not mad about it. I don't hate it. I don't love it, but I know I probably will. I like the pick, but 
I also told you that I thought it would be a boring pick, which is how I reacted. Now, I wasn't, you know, doing jumping jacks and backflips like you, but at the end of the day, it was the right pick, and that's all that matters. Couldn't agree more, Paulie. I don't really care if anybody's excited by the pick. The bottom line is he was the best player in the draft, and I'm so thrilled that he was there at number three and that the Jets wound up with him. And like I said, I'm so excited to see what he can do with Leonard Williams, and especially now with Ja'Kai Polite on that edge. I also think that he's going to raise the game of Jordan Jenkins a little bit too. We know that Jenkins is very much an okay player, but he's the type of guy whose play really gets lifted by elite players around him, and I think that now that there are elite players on that defense in C.J. Mosley and most likely Quinn and Williams. I don't know that Leonard Williams is elite, but there are definitely pieces there, and I'm looking forward to seeing what all the rest of the players on that defense do. But like I said, I think they have potential to be a top 10 unit. This next question comes in from the Sam Chise. He says, what happens with Darren Lee at this point since he wasn't traded on draft day? I would imagine that at some point he probably will get traded. It might happen after cuts. It might happen during training camp. It might happen during the preseason. But then again, it is also possible that he wins Greg Williams over some way. But either way, it looks like if he's going to get traded, it's not going to be for a little while. Yeah, I, I right now I'd venture to put the odds on him staying at this point. Uh at this, if no one, if nobody offered them a high enough draft pick for them to take it now, I can't imagine anybody's going to give up like a second, third, or something next year. So maybe they could flip them for again a fifth next year, something like that. But at that point, I'm just ride it out, see what he can do in this defense. I know Paulie did make a good point about you know if, if he's going to be around and they don't really have a spot for him, it might just be better to get rid of him. I'm not going to really argue with that. But at the same time, he's not a, a bad player still. He's just a bad player for where he was picked. He can help in this uh, defense in some ways. And I know that he has had his inconsistent struggles with covering the passer uh, as a linebacker, but they don't have anybody else you can really trust to cover the uh, receivers out of the linebacker. So at this point, you might as well stick with them as, is how I'm feeling about it. So, what I'm going to say in regards to Lee is I think at this point they're probably likely going to keep him. Um, you know, if he was going to get traded, it was likely draft weekend unless, you know, something happens closer to camp, you know, maybe after week two of preseason. Uh, but what I would really like is for people to stop suggesting that he can be used as a pass rusher. Um, yeah. he's not, he's not big enough. Uh, he's not strong enough. Uh, he, he, he has gotten pancaked plenty of time. Uh, I believe actually by Osemele which is the most famous one against the Raiders. Um, so he is probably going to be on this roster, but please stop suggesting that he's going to be a pass rusher off the edge. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next question comes in from Vice City Kicks. He says, is hashtag retire moms already your favorite new hashtag? Because yes. I know it will be once at retire moms, which is Ja'Kai Polite's handle on Twitter, starts wreaking that havoc on dudes. Yes, I love the hashtag. And I have to say, Michael Nania made me crack up because I tweeted out about how happy I was to have Ja'Kai Polite here. Nania responded by saying, yo, TB12, he about to retire your moms. <laughs> 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 yeah, the answer is an emphatic yes. I, I didn't I didn't realize that was his Twitter handle until I saw him tweeting after after the draft and 
you know, I I already gave my opinion about him as a player, but how can you not love him in that that handle? That is the best handle I've ever seen. That is just that is just beautiful. And let's but for his and his mom's sake, let's hope he plays well enough to go ahead and get that second contract and really be able to make sure she retires nice and comfortably. So uh, one of my good buddies who I watch college football with every Saturday is a huge Florida fan. So I was aware of not only obviously polite, but the Twitter handle. But what I thought the Twitter handle actually meant compared to what I found out it meant the other night were two totally different things. <laughs> um, his Twitter handle was something I thought was totally different. Um, I'll kind of keep it clean. Uh, but when I thought of what it was, it was had to do with, you know, moms that are extremely attractive and, um, you know, leaving them very happy. But, <laughs> but then when I found out the other night what it was, uh, it still has a great meaning because, you know, his goal is to be able to make sure, um, you know, that his mom doesn't have to worry about anything. So while it's different from what I thought it was, it's still really cool and it's still a great handle. And in the back of my mind, I'm still going to tell myself that's what it means. <laughs> Next question comes in from Mike Ferrari. He says, what do you think the chances are of getting Clowney, and is it worth the price tag? I think the chances are a lot lower now that they got Chakai Polite. I'd still look into it because why not? We know that Mike McCagnan always does that. He'll make a phone call. The problem with Clowney, and we've talked about this, Chris, is that he's a very good player, not a great player, and his strength is more stopping the run than rushing the passer. He's an above-average pass rusher, but he's not as good of a pass rusher as Frank Clark, and quite frankly, I don't think he's as good of a pass rusher even as D. Ford. He's going to want $20 million a year, and we know he has an injury history. So when you put all of that together, if they could get him without giving up some sort of really good package i might consider it like if you could get him for a next year's two maybe you could twist my arm i probably still wouldn't do it a next year's three i'd probably do but i don't know that's a guy that i wouldn't really want to invest premium draft capital in getting in a trade because he's just not a good enough pass rusher for me to trade high level assets and pay big money to yeah he's again like you just said he's a he's a very good player He's not that great of a pass rusher. He's, he's solid there, but he's mostly as a run blocker. And he would improve this team and this defense, absolutely. But he would he improve it enough to make it worthwhile to trade a couple of draft picks and give him that money? Possibly, but then you add in the injury history, and it's not like, you know, sometimes players just get injured and they're separate injuries that aren't, He's somebody that no matter what for the rest of his career, I'm always going to be worried that he's going to miss a, a chunk of games here and there. So the, combining all that stuff together, it doesn't, it's not something I would really consider very strongly. You know, if you could get him for a third round pick next year and then you could get him to sign like a two year deal or something, I'd be more for it. But when you trade for a player of that caliber, you typically have to give that guy about a four or five year contract with more guarantees than you would just get at free agency. So I know that the Ford's contract didn't work out that way, but still I, I have a hard time imagining that that could be the case. It, and I'm not saying that it's, it's not possible. There is a way that you could line it up where I would say that would be worth it. The chances of what I think it would take to, trade for him and sign him, I don't think is worth it. 
No, I'm staying put. Now that we have Polite, I'm not trying to give him that big deal, especially trading away draft capital. Um, you know, as I spoke earlier, I'm all in on trading up for Judy, so I want as many picks as we can have <laughs> next year. But but to after getting Polite, I think it would be foolish to send, you know, a premium pick, one, two, or three, um, you know, for a player with, again, like we said, he's he's an above-average pass rusher with injury history. Um, and, and he is definitely going to command a four- or five-year deal because he's going to want to get kind of paid close to what these other guys have gotten um, because that's how he views himself. And this is probably his – it's his first time to cash in, so he's going to want to get paid. Um, yeah, so I'm after what we've done, I'm all out. All I can say is if the Jets do wind up drafting Jerry Judy, I'm calling him Doug, and there's nothing anybody can do about it. I'm, I'm going to tell him myself. <laughs> Why, I know your name's Jerry, but I'm referring to you as Doug Judy forever. It would be really <laughs> hilarious if he then spouted off a Doug Judy line, and it turned out he was a huge Brooklyn Nine-Nine fan. <laughs> what if he was like uh, the New York Jets offense just got a little more finer (laughs) if he said that he would instantly become my favorite player Doug Judy I wish you were alive Doug Judy God will give you a high five Doug Judy now he gave himself a key change Doug Judy you're a friend 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 Doug Judy Thank you so much. You've been a great audience. I mean, it's a funeral. That's psychotic. I'm so sorry. Next question comes in from John McLean. He says, why do you think Mac doesn't draft wide receivers? That would be news to Devin Smith. It would be news to Chad Hansen. It would probably be news to Ardarius Stewart. Maybe even Sharon Peak. He drafts wide receivers. They just don't end up being good. And again, they, they're not at the you know premium value. doesn't match up. Uh, you know, if if he has a chance to draft Doug, uh, Doug Judy, I mean Jerry Duke Judy next year, I bet you he does it. If if they're sitting high enough and he's still here and Judy falls him, I bet you he does it. If there's somebody there, and we just talked about Manisha's report, he was trying to trade up for Michael Hardman. Uh, I I don't think he has anything against receivers. I just think it's a, a matter of the value not adding up and not having enough picks. Yeah, it's just. The receivers he's drafted are a few of them have been older and just not good. Um, you know, Devin Smith, I think Devin Smith had a ton of potential, but unfortunately he couldn't stay healthy. Um, the Hanson and Ardarius Stewart picks were just questionable at where they were. And those guys are out of the league already. Uh, Sharon Peak is a solid special teamer, but after that, I mean, he just hasn't successfully drafted wide receivers. So it would be something that I'd like for him to do next year. Um, and, and, or, yeah, next year or the year after, however long he's here, just to get more talent on this roster. Last question comes in for Peter Dillard. I'm going to let him ask another one because he's awesome. Peter says, okay, gentlemen, here's my question. It seems like Mac has traded back numerous times from the fifth round on. He did it this year in the fourth round. Can you think of any players that he's drafted after trading back that actually contributed to the team? I can't. Actually, no. I looked this up, and there was nobody that I could find that he drafted after training back in those late rounds that actually ended up doing anything. So, yeah, this is where Mac needs to stop getting so cute because it doesn't pay off for him. Yeah, and look, one of his best uh, draft selections in the later rounds was actually trading up for Brandon Shell. 
and we talked about it. Brandon Shell is not anything spectacular, but he's been a good spot, uh, fine there, and been well played well, especially for where he was drafted. And Paulie just brought up Sharon Peak, who, you know, there wasn't a, a trade involved in that, but he was a seventh round pick. He's been on the roster enough. He's, he is a contributor on special teams. If you can live with picks like that with those fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. At least they're contributing. What you can't live with is the Chad Hansons or Darius Stewart's, even though they were a little bit higher picks even. You can't live with that where you pick them and then the next year they're completely off the roster. That if you, you don't need to necessarily get starters in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. But if you can get somebody that can give you at least that depth and can play in a pinch, that's good. So, yes, the trading back, especially in those later rounds, you know, you want to trade up, draft back in the first round and really be able to get uh, picks of value back in return. He wasn't able to do that. Once you start trading back later, you, it's, it's, again, it's just such a low percentage of, of hits there, and he doesn't do what needs to be done to maximize that percentage. So that's definitely a huge problem that either he's going to need to address and fix, so you got to just hope the next GM addresses and fixes. Yeah, this is – I couldn't remember if Shell was traded up for or traded back for, uh, but this goes back to the earlier statements where we, we mentioned the building of the back end with depth in the later rounds as being an issue. It's all fine and dandy to trade back, but you got to start hitting on more of those picks than you're missing, and it, it just hasn't happened. So we've got to hope that going forward it, it becomes, you know, I don't know, I don't want to say easier because the draft is a crapshoot, but he's just got to start being more successful on those later picks, whether he's trading up or trading back. Thus concludes our multi-part mailbag. Chris, as always, thank you for joining me. Paulie, great to have you in as a guest. And for everybody that asked questions, thank you so much for participating. I knew there were going to be a ton of questions after the draft, so I figured we would make this a multi-part mailbag. You guys didn't disappoint. Thank you for all the terrific questions. Chris, before you go, why don't you go ahead and let everybody know how they can read your Very Big Deal work and interact with a Very Big Deal on social media. Yeah, you can find our articles at JetsInsider.com. This week, there's there's not going to be any rookie practices, rookie minicamp this week. Uh, that normally is how it goes. The draft comes and the rookie minicamp. There's not going to be any of that. They have like a rookie orientation uh, in like the middle of May where we get the reporters will go and talk to the rookies, but we don't actually get to watch them practice at that point. So that, that'll be in the middle of May. But this week, I'm going to spend that time looking at uh, the undrafted free agents and the the rounds four through seven, uh, six picks there. I'll have more information about them and give my final draft grades after I see all that. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jets Insider and at C Nibley. And, Paulie, before you go, people want to talk to a Twitter legend and a Reddit legend even. So how can they do that? <laughs> so, first things first, a uh, bunch of people reached out to me and asked me when I was going to be on another pod, what I was going to be doing. So, I figured I'd jump on the mailbag and just, you know, give some things here and there. Um, you know, I'll be filling in on pods and, and doing a bunch of stuff once we get closer to the season. So, I appreciate, you know, all the interest and positive feedback people give me because, you know, I do this because people want to hear me. I, You know, I don't do it to hear myself talk because Lord knows I definitely don't want to do that. But, so look, again... People who reach out to me on a consistent basis, um, I do appreciate that. If you don't follow me, 
um, at Pauly, P-A-U-L-I-E underscore B-R-U-Z. You can follow me there. You know, I try to keep it light. I try to have fun. Um, I respond to everybody best I can. Uh, but like I said, again, I just appreciate everybody reaching out to me and, uh, you know, wanting to hear from me. And don't worry, Paulie will be back. We're going to be working on a new project with him. We're figuring something out for when the season starts, a new podcast. Don't know the exact details yet, but we're going to come up with something. So everybody will be hearing plenty from the Twitter legend on these podcasts here on Play Like a Jet. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for listening. Make sure you follow both Paulie and Chris on Twitter. Go to JetsInsider.com. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. Let's turn on the Jets digital and turn on the Jets.com. <laughs>